Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, September 28, 2020. Today we are reading from the big book. We're in Bill's story, page eight, the second paragraph, trembling I stepped from the hospital, um, and reading just the one paragraph. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service in September, the 12 Steps, Naomi B., 12 Traditions, Maura Z., and reading the text are Lisa J.R., Mar Joe, and Barbara P. The reference number for Sunday, September 27, 2020, is 15,436. That's 15436. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Naomi B. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, Katie, and thank you, family, for my, oh, my goodness, for this month. Uh, Naomi B., a recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Step one, we admitted we are powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we are wrong, promptly admit it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service this month, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi. Okay, I will now ask Maura Z to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Twelve traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Maura. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page eight, the second paragraph, Trembling I Stepped, from the hospital, reading one paragraph, and I will ask Lisa J.R. to begin reading. Good morning, everybody. Lisa J.R. gratefully recovered one day at a time from Baltimore. Trembling, I stepped from the hospital, a broken man. Fear sobered me up a bit. Then came the insidious insanity of the first drink, and on Armistice Day in 1934, I was off again. Everyone became resigned to the certainty that I would have to be shut up somewhere or would stumble along to a miserable end. How dark it is before the dawn. In reality, that was the beginning of my last debacle. I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Oh, what a beautiful paragraph this is. Um, thanks for letting me um, share on it. 
um, hopelessness to hopefulness. Um, up to this point in the reading, you know, like Bill, we learn that we are bodily and mentally ill. He has spent some time with Dr. Silkworth, and he knows that he has an allergy, but he also knows that he's mentally ill. And so I could relate in up to this point in the reading. So somehow fear sobers them up, and someone on Armistice Day passes him a drink to honor the fallen soldiers of World War One, and just like that, he takes it. And if you just hang in there and keep coming back, we're going to find out in more about alcoholism. Um, he's going to elaborate on how this happens with um, three individuals. Um, you know, Fred um, is going to be one of them, and, and these guys all... Um, you know, had that mental blank spot where they they couldn't stop from taking that drink. Like Bill, who had complete knowledge of his condition, you know, he's compelled to take that drink. You know, the inability to stop from starting again and the utter defenselessness um, just is has got him. Um, you know, he's a subject of of uh, of King Alcohol, like I was of uh, King Cupcake. Um, so, you know, he, he begins later as, as we're going to see in, in the, you know, text, uh, that follows, uh, we're going to see that, you know, when he begins to live by those standards of honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love that he's going to learn from Ebby from the Oxford group, he'll enter into that conscious contact with God, um, and it's sort of like the the fourth dimension is the communion with the divine. And we all can have that, you know. Um, it it was great news to me because I was hopeless. I was I could only get as far as I would stumble along to a miserable end. Um, unfortunately, my grandfather died that way of alcoholism in an asylum. Um, but thank God, you know, we have the text you know, the dark night of the soul and then the dawn breaking is, is what I can see from this text that, you know, we can attain happiness, peace, and usefulness. And I never thought I would have that. I was actually hoping for the end here. So I'm grateful that, um, you know, that we have this jolt of hope here. Um, and where it's just the, the rest, the book is going to unfold in such an exciting way to us that we are going to learn um, how to, to live that way. And I'm so grateful to be here this morning. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa Jr. Okay, so if you just joined us, Lisa read um, from the second para paragraph on page eight, Trembling, a step from the hospital. And we read that one paragraph. And if you haven't, um, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this paragraph? Rachel Kay. Katie, Katie G. from Boston. Okay. Terry N. Okay, I got Terry N. Okay, I got um, Rachel Kay, Katie G., Naomi B, and Terry Ann. Who else? Chuck K. Chuck K. 
We can take a couple more in this round. Okay, well, let's go with this group. Rachel K, followed by Katie G. Hi, this is Rachel Kay, a compulsive overeater in Northern California. And uh, thank you so much, everybody, the September group, for doing service on this meeting. And yeah, I mean, I, I love this paragraph. I'm no big book historian, and I don't think you have to be to, to get the meaning of this paragraph. But um, I do know that... Um, uh, you know, after Bill got sober, he was not free. He still became prey to um, depression and had some marital problems, et cetera, et cetera. So his life was just not all lollipops and rainbows, psychologically speaking, after he got sober. Yet he still talks about being rocketed into the fourth dimension and, um, you know, what that, that, after being in this horrible despair and drinking again on our mistress day, et cetera, uh, that that was his last debauch. And then, and then, then he was to start a new way of life that was infinitely more satisfying and wonderful than his life drunk. And, and what this reminds me of is that um, my worst day abstinent and in recovery is exponentially better than my best day when I was face down in the food, uh, which I was for the first 30 years of my life. Uh, and for the past 20 years, haven't had to be. Um, that even when I feel like, oh, you know, can things get any worse, both, you know, within my life and my own home and in the world, et cetera, then I am still, I would still rather be abstinent and in recovery in the middle of whatever is going on in my personal life or in the world than if things were just wonderful outwardly and I'm binging my brains out. Um, that this, absolutely, I've, I've been rocketed into the fourth dimension. Uh, I'm so blessed and all it, it takes, all it took was following, you know, was, was making use of the, the, the toolkit, the spiritual toolkit that was set at my feet. Um, this is just a really, really good reminder for me that no matter what I have to face today, uh, you know, the fact that I have God with me uh, gives me power um, because without him, I'm completely powerless. And I think that I, I would guess that that's how Bill felt, that, you know, whatever was happening in his life before he got sober, um, he would rather face it with, you know, the clarity that sobriety and and God had given him um, by following you know these principles. So anyway, uh, I'm going to pass. My name is Rachel Kay. I'm from Northern California. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Rachel. Okay, Katie G, you're up, followed by Naomi B. Thanks, Katie. Please time me. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive eater in Boston, and. Yeah, I mean, I just never was comfortable in my own skin and I thought I was somebody, I needed to be somebody else at some other time doing something else with some other people. And I just had this hole in my soul that I tried to fill with food and anorexia and being the thinnest girl in the room and the um, most muscly girl in the room. And, you know, I came into OA and I had the attitude of like, I want the promises. Like, 
um, I want freedom, I want Disney World, I want more, right? And, you know, the problem with that is, um, <laughs> is that um, life, life is life, right? Life, life's all over us. But I have to tell you, you know, what God has done for me, taking this, you know, low bottom, crazy, anorexic, bulimic woman and placed me in a life where um, when I am woken in the morning, I want to get up no matter what is in front of me. And, um, you know, being recovered, I love this idea there that where much is rewarded, much is expected. You know, the um, 84 to 88, it gives me very specific instructions on what I am asked to do each and every day to stay in conscious contact with God, right? Because it's very easy to stand on this line and say, I live in 10, 11, and 12. But to really face um, the disease, the mental illness um, that I continue to have, you know, I have a relationship with God, and God keeps showing me, you know, that the main problem is in my mind. And um, I haven't been catapulted to Disneyland. I'm not the, um, you know, I, I'm not a swimsuit model, um, even though I thought that that might happen. Um, and yet, um, I have happiness. I have contentment. I have, even on um, days that are really messy and ugly, I have a fellowship. I have a seat in Overeaters Anonymous next to y'all. That is like the best thing. I I get to be with all of you, and, and that could bring me to tears, that I, I get to sit here, that my darkest nightmare brought me to a place. And again, much is required every day. Living in 10, 11, and 12 is a lot of work. There's a lot of inventory. There's a lot of prayer. There's a lot of meditation. Thank God. Because before, I had nothing. I, I just was trying to be a swimmer or a, a, a swimsuit model or something. I wanted a thing to fill me up. And today that thing, God, fills me up and I get to, um, to give to others and I get to um, do this life each and every day because being recovered means that for these 24 hours I do not suffer from compulsive eating, but it's waiting for me. It's waiting for me if I don't continue, continue, continue. And, uh, yeah, with that I pass. I'm grateful to be here with all of you. Okay, thank you, Katie. Um, okay, now we'll have Naomi B. followed by Terry N. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for your service. Um, good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, if I if I say that this is one of my favorite readings of the book, it's pale because there's so many of them. But um, how dark, dark is it before the dawn? I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that was incredibly more wonderful as time passes. And and it's like that that is my life today. I mean, never never did I ever expect that I could ever put the food down for any reason or any emotion. And that's what I did. Regardless of the emotion from one extreme to the other, I picked up the food because the food was the answer. The food was the answer to all my problems. And wow, what a transformation in my life as far as um, going to God first, working these steps faithfully, following following the teachings of this book, being a sponsor, having a sponsor, and seeing the torture that Bill has gone through. And I live that torture with food. 
I mean, day after day, you know, resolving each morning. Okay, today's going to be the day I'm I'm going to diet and I'm going to follow my food plan, and it lasted maybe till ten o'clock. I thought, screw this, I'll have tomorrow. Tomorrow's another day. Yes, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I was never promised tomorrow. All I have is today and following this. And, you know, as so beautifully said earlier, on my worst day, and I've had worse days in in this program, being abstinent, I take it over any day of the crazies before because I know what it is to be happy and have peace and be useful to my others and the fellowship. And it's just beyond, beyond my wildest dreams because this book was cracked open to me many years ago. And and I developed a relationship with my higher power that is momentary. It's not just daily. It's momentary because I need him all day. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi. Okay, Terry, and you're follow. You're up, followed by Chuck K. And then we'll open it up for more. Good morning, everyone. This is Terry N. calling from New Jersey. Um, I love what I heard uh, shared: the hopeless to hopeful, and it's that's a wonderful that's a wonderful feeling <laughs> to be going from hopeless to hopeful. What stuck out for me was the insidious insanity. And, you know, from listening to people on this line, I I looked up the word insidious. And, you know, it it had words in there like subtle, seductive, (laughs) um, and treacherous. Then it said in in reference to a disease well-established before becoming a parent. And I was very insane way before I ever realized how insane I was. Um, Or waiting to entrap. This disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. In my life, it's very cunning, baffling, and powerful. And, you know, today I'm hopeful. Because I thought, you know, he said that he became resigned to the certainty that he would have to be shut up. And I, I... I actually, you know, thought I'm just going to be a chronic relapser and I'm never going to get this. And that's my disease talking. And I have to be on, on guard. And I, there's a lot of things that I have, I'm learning that I have to do in order to stay in a recovered state. And um, the other thing that I wanted to share was that um, I'm helping out a family member. It's a very difficult situation. She's pretty ill. And, you know, I can sit here today and say that Last week, I had the privilege of, you know, being there and staying with her, and we were basically up most of the night, and there was something, there was some kind of peace around the whole thing, and it was amazing to me, because I felt like, I certainly felt like God is doing for me what I cannot do for myself, and it was like I could see this program working in my life, which is amazing and I'm very grateful for that and I wanted to share it because it works. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Terry. Okay, Chuck K, you're up. Hey, good morning. This is Chuck from Atlanta. And I love understanding that the purpose of this chapter or one of the purposes of this chapter is for me to identify 
at a very deep and meaningful level. And this paragraph, I really do. I remember before program, um, I was very jealous of a friend who had lost about 150 pounds through diet and exercise. And that motivated me to do the same. But it only took about four weeks, five weeks before I gave up. And I remember sitting there almost in tears, resolved to the fact that I'm probably always going to be a four or 500 pound person. And that's just going to be my life. So there's no use in doing anything about it. Because I tried so many times, I tried so many different things, just didn't work. And I remember that hopelessness. It's something I think about just about every day. It was so powerful a moment in my life. And as it turned out, I still had about three years, four years of misery before I had even heard the words Over It Is Anonymous put together. And looking back on my life, I'm like a lot of people. I like to think of myself as that fifth group of alcoholic, that I was pretty normal in most cases, except when it looked when you when you looked at the food problem. And I always remembered having that sense of I even mentioned it to my dad one time that I just didn't feel like I could make good decisions, that I wasn't worth as much as other people, and he ridiculed me for that. But other than that, I had a really good life. A lot of things lined up in my life, and still do. But my life now is so much better than it ever was to begin with. And I had a good life, but I wouldn't trade it in. I have a sense of usefulness. I have a sense of purpose. I have a sense of knowing where the answers are because they're not within me that most people go to their graves without knowing. So I always like to take a moment to think about just how fortunate I am to be given this program at a time when I was able to receive this program. And I like when it was said a couple of times, it's a lot of work because it is a lot of work. And it's a lot of work every single day. Every day I'm asked a couple of questions. What am I going to do today? Doesn't matter what I did yesterday. Doesn't matter what I'm going to do tomorrow. What am I going to do today to help the sick and suffering? And I have to think about that and I have to get the answer for that question every single day. And so I'm glad, um, I'm glad to be a part of this fellowship. I'm glad there is a fellowship for me to be a part of. And I'm glad for the purpose of this chapter so that I can identify in and I can see how very similar I, ha I am to Bill Wilson. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Chuck. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we're on the second paragraph on page eight. Trembling, I stepped up, sorry, from the hospital. And so, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So, who would like to um, share? Patricia C. Darren K. Patricia. I'm sorry, what is that, K? Gary and K? Karen K. Sharon K. Marcy S. E. Marcy, I see. Okay. Who else? Marcy, I see. Yes, I got you, Marcia. I have Patricia. I'm sorry, I didn't get your initial. Sharon K. and Marcia C. Pedro B. Pedro B. Yes. Okay, great. Anyone else? Nancy J. from Geneva, Illinois. 
Nancy J. Okay. Okay, well, I have Patricia, Karen K, Marcia C, Pedro B, and Nancy J. Go ahead, please, Patricia, and give us your initial, please. Patricia C. So C is in cat <laughs> from North <Thank> Carolina. <laughs> no problem. Um, oh, so, yeah, um, I think when I read this paragraph, I just am so thankful for hopelessness. You know, I think I had been in and out of the rooms for a bit, um, for years, not a bit, for years. Um, and I remember that I didn't feel hopeless enough. And I even remembering wishing I weighed more because I thought, well, if I weighed like 50 pounds more than I do or 100 pounds more than I do, then I would take this more seriously, you know, and it would be easier for me to really believe everything, you know, or take, take do the work, you know. And, and I, I mean, as obviously we don't want to get that far, but I think that I, I was just very thankful when I finally realized that I was hopeless. And um, I think um, one of the ways that, that it really sunk in was in a relapse that I had. So I had, I had gotten to a point, I had, I'd been in program again, like I'd really worked the steps hard and I'd gotten to a place where I really actually didn't feel tempted by the food. I didn't have cravings and it only been two weeks. So I just, I'd cut out all the food. So I hadn't gotten through all the steps, but I'd cut all the foods and that alone gave me some relief, right? Um, but it's very frustrating when you, when you do that, it's, you know, especially when you're going to be nitpicky about the ingredients because, you, you know, you don't want to experience cravings again. And so I got real resentful and I threw myself a pity party over this one thing I'd been cooking and I'd gone out and shopped and everything. And I found out it had one gram of included sugar and it was hidden in the box because it wasn't listed in the ingredients. And I just said, I'm going to eat it anyway. And I took one bite and then before I even chewed or swallowed, I immediately spit it out and I was like, what am I doing? And incredibly, like the mental obsession, just from that, like I don't even know if the chemicals reached my brain, but just this, the, the act of it, um, there was cake in my house and it was like all I could do to keep from eating the cake. It was like overpowering. I had to go to the farthest room in the house. I just called people. I listened to meetings. I just, you know, I, I was desperate. And I don't think I'd felt that. Even though I had been working pretty hard with program, I hadn't really experienced that that desperation. And, and so that's kind of how I relate to Bill's story is that he knew it was bad. And then it, it sobered him up for a bit. And then he went right back. And it was like, how did I even start? You know, like, why did I even eat this? I, and, and just this overwhelming feeling like, you can't even trust your own mind. Um, and thankfully, um, I kind of went, went back to the steps, you know, back to step one, and I got through all the steps, and um, I'm food neutral now, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but I look back at that, and I just think, oh, I'm so grateful for that moment, because it was so horrible. And I have this great memory of something that was so horrible <laughs> that it's kept me out. And um, thank you so much for letting me share. <laughs> Thank you so much, Patricia. Okay, Karen Kay, you're up, followed by Marcia C. 
Good morning. I'm Karen Kay uh, from sunny Syracuse, New York. I'm a compulsive eater, and my credits don't transfer. Oh, I, I love this chapter, and um, what it tells me is that mental twist, you know. I'm going to try it just one more time because, I mean, for me, it could have been Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, you know, why I would pick up. And I know that's not my solution today. And I know in my heart that this is this program is um, a labor of love. Um, that I, I I had a soul sickness, and that I know I could very much be back in that place again. In my heart of hearts, I am happy. I have peace and usefulness. And what this allows me to do is to be useful outside the rooms, to be a productive member of society, to show up at my church, be of service. You know, when I go to the store, you know, open the door for uh, somebody. Well, you can't usually do a smile now because of the mask. You know, I suppose I could put one on my mask. Um, But to really engage with people, look in their eyes and engage with people, where before I would look to the ground, do what I needed to do, and get going. And that's the gift of sobriety with food, sobriety of life. And I wouldn't change it for anything. I protect this. Well, I don't protect it, but I invite my God to protect it on a daily and a momentary basis. I don't um, freak out like I used to. For me, it's, it's, it's freedom it's peace. Uh, something happened to me a couple of weekends ago, and it put me in a tailspin. But I knew I had a God, and I knew I had people that I could call to do 10, 11, 12 with and to be in prayer. And I just found this new awesome sponsor, and I'm learning to be more gentle with myself and not be a lashing, <clears throat> excuse me, a lashing post because that's my disease. My disease that wants me sick, it wants me in the food, it wants me to hate myself and hate you all too and that you know and be a know it all and I don't want those things in my life anymore. I want to be more compassionate with Karen, be gentle with myself but real and honest about my life and and what and what I'm putting into my body every day. And with that I'll pass and thank you very much for your service. Thank you so much, Karen. And Marcia C., you're up, followed by Pedro B. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Hi, I'm Marcy. Actually, Marcy, R-S-C, that's me, Mrs. E now. Grateful compulsive over here from Wayne, New Jersey. Right now, I'm in beautiful Wildwood Crest, New Jersey, down in Cape May County, down the shore on my honeymoon. And it's lovely here. I'm grateful to be alive to be experiencing this with my husband. Last year, I came alone to scout it out. And it's lovely. And the staff is so friendly. And people go out of their way to be friendly. It's a shop right, right nearby. I stopped about Amsterdam food. The weather is lovely. And I'm just, just so grateful to God. There's these feeding the birds and stuff. The little, the little sparrows. God's creatures. And can make new friends. I'm grateful for this meeting and thank you for the meeting and for everybody's service and just showing up at meeting and service. Even 
even if you just show up and listen, you're important too. And, you know, I'm grateful that there's this meeting because I haven't been on this meeting in a while, but I need to hear the words of the big book. I'm working with a new sponsor now, an elderly gentleman in New Mexico who's very wise and compassionate, and he has 20, he has like 29 years in AA and 20-somewhat years in, in OA. And he's taking me through the big book and asking me questions. I'm really learning the big book and seeing it in a whole new light and learning things I never knew before. And it's taking out a new meeting. Uh, I'm able to hear Bill's story because I just read Bill's story the other day. And, you know, I just, like, read it as fast as I could. And now that I'm going over with him and with you guys, it means more. And it takes on new meaning. And, you know, I am powerless over food, totally powerless. And over my life and people, places, and things. I can't control anything in my life. Only God can. And it's been proven to me yet again that I have this disease. Yesterday, yesterday morning, we left our house at 10 a.m. It's a four-hour drive down here. I ate some things on the way up that I really shouldn't have eaten. But I was like, oh, I need the energy. And then we stopped on the shoulder to have lunch. My husband had made, he meant well. He made me a huge sandwich, so much meat and cheese. I was like, well, I, I better eat the whole thing because I need the energy to get down or I won't fall asleep behind the wheel. Well, it backfired on me because I wolfed that whole thing down and I got plugged up. And then last night, before I went to bed, I resort to natural laxatives. I don't like using laxatives. Only as a last resort. Because two years ago, this disease turned bulimic for me. I was in the hospital for a few days. Well, that's right, about It was very scary. The doctor told me my Hi, heart couldn't Thank you. My, the doctor told me my heart couldn't stop, so I'm grateful to be alive. Thank you. Can I leave my number for outreach calls, please? Um, sorry, this is not the time to do that. We don't do that on the recorded line. Can you let me know when, okay. please? Um, after the, at um, 10 till 9 at the, after the second meeting, please. I won't be on till 9. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Okay, Pedro B, you're up, followed by Nancy J. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, good morning, everybody. Thank you for for being here for me. Um, you know, the the line that uh, the jumped at me this morning is this: uh, then came the insanity, insidious insanity of the first drink. And uh, um, you know, I I realized recently that you know it says I think I don't know I don't remember what chapter it says, but uh, uh, in the big book uh, that um, self-honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness are the essentials of recovery. And uh, you know, and and I. I keep seeing that, and I keep keep hearing that. And uh, recently, I, I realized that if I am dishonest with myself, if my mind is closed to spiritual principles, and I'm not willing to do what it takes to do to get healthy, then I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And and uh, um, you know, thank God that this is. Uh, 
a process. This is a journey. And uh, thank God that I got to Overuse Anonymous to learn about my addiction to uh, to food and uh, the amount of food. You know, this I uh, uh, thank God that uh, uh, I'm able to see my ego at work, and 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 I'm so glad that. Uh, uh, I can uh, start over at any at any time. I, I you know I don't have to. Oh no, I don't have to hang on to my time. Like oh no, I can't let go of this time. Um, you know, and and uh, the level of honesty that I need to do this program, it has to increase because. Um, I'm so dishonest with myself, and I'm so dishonest about so many things. My my disease wants me to be dishonest, close-minded, and unwilling, so that I can, you know, it really wants to kill me. I feel, you know, so uh, I just uh, want to express some 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 gratitude around the fact that. Uh, um, I can get honest with myself and, you know, this idea that I'm definitely a compulsive overeater. I overeat. And what happens to me is that if I overeat, whether, you know, certain, especially certain things, I'm not going to mention anything, but, you know, and this is really honest with myself. Time, please, Pedro. Thank you so much for, for your service. Thank everybody. I hope everybody has a great day, and I hope I can work this program to the best of my ability today and stay abstinent and stay peaceful, happy, and, and healthy. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Nancy J., you're up, and then we'll open it up. We'll have time for three or four more. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's wonderful to be here this morning and just feel the connection to to all the people on the line to be part of this fellowship. It's it's just a beautiful thing. And what really caught my my heart in this paragraph is the word usefulness in the last sentence. And the reason I say that is I'm 75 years old and I'm now looking at what is it like to get older? What is it like to look into a future where you're getting older. And the usefulness of this program is what I think is so fantastic. No matter what age we are, no matter what our situation is in life, no matter where we are in our recovery, we can be so useful in this fellowship because this is a fellowship built on altruism and that we help others with no expectation of return. And that is such a beautiful feeling. And no matter what our situation is, we know that the prayers in this book, what are the basis of the prayers in this book, the first 164 pages? If you go through those pages and you look at the attitude of the prayers, they're all the same, God, use me, use me. Help me to to do your will to help others. And and having that attitude, 
brings you the happiness and the peace. And what a wonderful future to look forward to, to know that you're going to be of use uh, in this program and that it's such a joy to pass along what we've been given. And it's a wonderful way of life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, again, we're on page eight, the second paragraph, trembling a step from the hospital. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day. Um, so who else would like to share? We have time for uh, four more people. Katie T. Katie T. Melissa N. Melissa N. Mary V. Mary B is in boy. V is in Victor. Okay, Mary V. Okay. I can take a couple more. Okay, well, let's go with this. Katie T, Melissa N, and Mary V. Sheer F. And Sheer F. Okay, go ahead, please, Katie T. Good morning, fellows. Uh, this is Katie T. I'm in South Carolina, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, yeah, when I read this, um, it occurred to me also, as it did to um, one of the other uh, sharers, that while Bill is talking here about he being catapulted into the fourth dimension of existence, I was soon to know happiness, peace, and usefulness. Um, that just a few pages on, he talks about um, being plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment, which nearly drove him back to drink. You know, so he didn't have this, um, what shall I call it, like lifting, complete lifting of a desire to drink, even though he had that um, dramatic uh, God experience in the hospital um, just before he began our new way of life. He was... He he had gotten desperate enough to take action. It sounds like because uh, <clears throat> he he was a broken man. He'd been overwhelmed. You know, alcohol was his master, and yet he continued um, to have some difficulty for a period of time in staying, uh, I guess, clean of the desire to drink for things over things in his life. Well, I can tell you that um, as a diagnosed depressive, I when I was deep in the overeating and I was deep, 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 I, I'd wake up in the morning and not want to get out of bed because I knew what was ahead of me, complete and total defeat every single day. I would get up, I would start eating, I would eat all day, and I'd go to bed. I'd get up, I'd start eating all day, and I'd go to bed. That was my life. I also managed to do a, a job in the middle of that someplace, but I had used up all of my sick leave and all of my vacation pay just because I couldn't face the effort it took to go to work. So when I came into this back to this program, because I was in and out over, let's see, from mid-70s to now, I'm also 75, and three years ago, I, I hit a vision for you, and it was like 
um, somebody had pulled the shades from my eyes, um, all of a sudden I saw a new way of working this program. I, you know, the steps were there all along. People tried to help me to work the steps, but I had seen this program as the uh, another thing that failed me or that I failed. Um, that nothing worked for me. And so I had gone out for 10 years. And when I came back, it was out of sheer desperation. And I don't see my um, my disease as something separate from me. People talk about, you know, your disease is out in the parking lot doing push-ups while you're, you know, doing whatever you're doing. Or, um, you know, it's my enemy. It's It's out there. It wants to kill me. I don't talk like that. It's part of me. This is part of my... Physical and mental self. Time, please. And uh, anyway, so recovery is so much more beautiful than any of that stuff I described. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you, Katie. Okay, Melissa N., you're up, followed by Mary V. Um, hi, Melissa N., calling from California. Um, yeah, I think... For me, I need to, I had to go through some really uncomfortable and painful moments with my eating. Um, I had to get really physically uncomfortable. I had to be really spiritually bankrupt. I had to be really mentally lost before I was willing to um ask for help and and change how I did things and um and and now I'm lucky in that um in that I I know I know that when I follow my action plan, follow my food plan, connect with people, take care of myself um and practice my spiritual path that um I can have happiness and peace and be present in today. Um, I was recently speaking with someone about how um, my eating behaviors definitely kept my mind and my heart preoccupied, um, which meant that I wasn't present with my family. I wasn't present um, in my work a lot of the time because all I could think about was, um, you know, what I was going to eat, how much I was going to eat, whether or not I was going to have a specific food, um, how I was going to feel afterwards, would I be able to still work after I ate this specific thing, and um, all of that. And so um, today I'm really grateful that I have a food plan that works for me, and um, if I can remember what it was like before, then I think that might help me um, to appreciate the moment a little bit more and the fact that I do have recovery today. And um, I'm really grateful for this program and I'm super grateful for um, a vision for you. Um, it helps me, especially the concept of um, of total abstinence, because I think I made excuses for myself for a long time. Oh, but this, oh, but that, you know, 
it's healthy in this way, even though it was like a trigger food for me. Um, and I think, you know, I just had to go through those things in order to get to a place where I could be honest. And that takes a lot of support. So thanks everyone for being here and thank you for letting me share my past. Thank you, Melissa N. Okay, Mary V, you're up, followed by, well, we have three minutes left, so Mary V, you will be our last share. Mary V, star one. Yeah, it's Mary V in Staten Island, New York, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, good morning to everyone on the line. So this is a great paragraph to... Um, ponder on. Trembling, I stepped from the hospital, a broken man, and I'm thinking how um, Bill didn't just, the fact said that he was a broken man. He was a failure, maybe not doing a great job as a husband, not doing a great job in his career, and certainly beaten, beaten, beaten by alcohol. That was his master. So for us and for myself, I think of myself as you Trembling, we step into this program full of fears, full of resentments, doing, looking at our, our history, uh, maybe, you know, failed relationships with our spouses, maybe failed relationships with friends, with children, and failure all over the place. And yet in this same paragraph, you go from trembling to fourth dimension of uh, existence and I'm thinking, well, he lived between two world wars, and he got his recovery before the Second World War, where they had, I'm sure in this country, loads of fear, uncertainty, and yet he continued to work his program and be useful, because it's funny how when we're looking for the things, what are we looking for? Happiness, peace, peace and usefulness. And to me, usefulness is coming from a place I'm turning from a person who wants to take to a person that knows they have to give, that that's my job every day to do God's will, to give. And that's what is the whole uh, change in my whole outlook. Like, that's my job every day. And um, inside of one day, through looking for God's will for me, to maybe sometimes I'm, uh, I wake up and I am trembling. I'm not sure of myself. And uh, do my job and be be useful, and this program is unique for that because, yes, whatever part of life you're at, you can be useful. And with that, I pass. Okay, well, thank you so much, Mary V, and thank you, everyone, um, who has shared, and thank you, everyone, on Team Monday for the month of September. Thank you to... Naomi B, Mara Z, Lisa J.R., Marge O, Barbara P, Karen K, and Jen A. I appreciate all your service. And so um, uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour, um, unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, September 28, 2020, 7 a.m. meeting is one five four three eight. Okay, that's one five four three eight. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page one sixty four, followed by 
the Serenity Prayer, will Marge O. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, and thank you for this opportunity to do service. My name is Marge O., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.